Hey friend, I'm Beth Ann Schwamberger, host of the Brilliant Business Moms podcast. This show is all about brilliant women, just like you, who are growing their businesses in the margins. You're juggling nap time and work time, wiping up messes with writing blogs, and I don't believe you need big, impressive numbers or shiny accolades behind your name to be brilliant. This show is about realistic, doable strategies that will work for you and your business right where you are. Big and little wins are celebrated here, and every single one of my listeners is a big deal in my book. Grab your coffee, and maybe the laundry, and be encouraged by business mamas who'll make working in the margins just a little more fun. Today on the show, I'm so excited to have Amy Gabriel of Lippy Clip back to talk with us again because Amy is just a wealth of wisdom. She's so smart. She's so kind. And we've been chatting a bit behind the scenes. And, you know, one of the ways that Amy has built up her business is by hiring the right team members because she needs help to make her lippy clips and to ship out all the orders that she's got and get more press and all of the things that she needs to do to build her business. But Those of you, I mean, honestly, even if you've simply hired a VA for a small job, you know how challenging leading another person can be. I personally think it's one of the most challenging parts of having a business. And so I wanted to bring Amy on to talk about everything that she's learned, all of the key things that she's put into place to find and lead and care for her team members. So welcome back to the show, Amy. Hi, Beth Ann. Good to be back. Okay. So first off, I would love to hear kind of when you realized that you needed to bring someone on to help and how you trained them. And I guess maybe how you train them now that might look a little bit different to kind of onboard someone quickly and make sure they can really get going with the tasks that you need help on. Okay, sure. When we first started, the first two years, it was just me and my husband. He would help me too when he wasn't in school, but it was just us. And I never I never dreamed of having a team. It was never a goal to build a team. But as we started to grow and as I could not keep up with orders, with production, with shipping, with certain tasks like that, Honestly, I texted a friend one day and I said, do you know anybody who might be looking for some simple part-time work? And she replied back really quickly and she said, yes, my sister-in-law is looking for work. She just had a baby. She's obviously needs to stay home with her baby, but she's looking for some things she can do just to make a little extra money. And so that was my very first hire. And she came with a recommendation of a good friend and she still works for us today, actually. So when she first came, she would come over and she would help me package up products. She doesn't know how to sew. She's never sewn for us, but she would help me package up products. And just to have someone to step in and do those simple, repetitive tasks was a huge help to me. It was a huge time saver. And it helped me so much just to know that I didn't have that that task looming over me that day. I didn't have to finish that part. I knew I could hand that off completely and fully to her. Like I said, she still works for us today and she still packages products. That's what she does is she'll come over once a week. We meet and we switch out products. I give her finished product that needs to be packaged and she gives me back several hundred products that are packaged and ready to ship. And that's a huge help because it's something that she can do at home with her boys. She now has more than one baby. She has two. She can do it at home with her kids there and 
she's able to make money working from home. So it started with her. And then I think it was in 2000, in 2015, I hired my first seamstress. That was a big jump at that time for me. I was really scared to teach anybody how to sew the lippy clip. I was really nervous about about just bringing somebody else in. It, it's scary to share your baby. Just like when you're a new mom and you take your baby to daycare or you send your baby off to kindergarten for the first time, you're trusting someone else to take care of something that you've loved and nurtured for all this time. And I kind of felt the same way. So it was a growing process for me, but I hired our first seamstress in 2015 and she also still works for us today, but I taught her really basic she knew how to sew already. She already had a sewing machine. I do require that they all know how to sew pretty proficiently, that they have a sewing machine. They have to provide all their own parts to the sewing machine. So like the needles, the bobbins, all of that is theirs. Just because every sewing machine is different, they all take different needles and they all take different size bobbins. And that's all on their part. That's their equipment providing that they do. So she was already a proficient seamstress and I just walked her through the steps of how we sew these and she has taken off. And like I said, she's been working with us for now four years, she's been sewing for us for four years. After her, it just grew and it was, it was one at a time. It was not overnight. It's been one person at a time, one hire at a time. When I hire someone new, I will go and I will sit with them and we will walk through the process. We talk through a lot about the business. I help them understand why it's so important that every single lippy clip looks the same, that it's stitched in the right place, that it's stitched in the same process that we all do because it all needs to look identical. That's really important to me. And I explain to them why that's important from a brand standpoint, why that's important from a customer satisfaction standpoint. And they've been really great. I've, I've been really, really blessed with all the women that I've been able to hire and that help us produce and package our products. That is so good to hear. I think so many, especially handmade business owners, feel like well, I'm maxed out with my orders, right? Because this is as many as I can make in a given day. And so that's it. My business stops at this point. And they're not realizing that you really can hire talented help to continue to make more of your products. You totally can. Now, I mean, there are specific industries that I think it would be harder to. Like, for example, if if you're an artist and you paint beautiful paintings or canvases, it would be harder to hire that out to find not only a talented artist, but also to find somebody that shared your same aesthetic that could make it look the same way you did. I think that might be near impossible. But could you hire out the packaging of your products? Could you hire out someone to take your photography or someone to take your photos? Could you hire out someone to help you ship orders? Could you hire out some help with social media? Think about the things that are taking a lot of your time and things that you are doing repetitively and see how you could get help in those areas. For me, that was sewing. I was spending a lot of time in those early days sewing and shipping. And I knew that I could do more. I could grow the business more and be more strategic with my time if I could train someone to help me with these repetitive tasks. And so that's how I've balanced what I've chosen to hire out for and what I've chosen to keep on my own plate and what I've chosen to keep and do myself. And I've looked at, I've just looked at the whole spectrum of tasks that need to be accomplished in order for this business to run smoothly and which ones can I assign to certain people and trust them with completely. Right. 
I'm so curious, when you hired that first seamstress, how much time did it take until you felt like you were confident in her abilities, you didn't have to kind of stress about the work she was turning back in, all of that? So one thing I do when I hire people is, seamstress or not, I tell them that they're on a 90-day trial, and that's basically three months. That gives me time to really evaluate their work, whether it's sewing or packaging or whatever they're doing, really evaluate the quality of their work. It gives me time to give them feedback and us to make tweaks on it. And it also gives them a sense of not security, I guess, but it just gives them the freedom that if it's not a good fit for them, they can walk away in 90 days or less and say, this just didn't work out. And if it's not a good fit for me, I can say the same and say, we're on 90 day trial. That has really served us well. It's worked out with almost everybody that we've hired, but it has given us this little bit of breathing room and extra grace in that first 90 days to tweak things, to change things, to freely accept constructive criticism. And that's been really, really beneficial to us. Another thing I do is when I hire new seamstresses, I give them some of our older, less popular styles because I know that they're going to need to try a few times. And so I will tell them, I will say, it's okay if you mess these up. It's not, these are not, obviously they're not already sold. These are practice ones. And I let them play around on those and I let them really just stitch those a lot over and over again. Sometimes they'll stitch them and then they'll rip it out and they'll restitch them and they'll restitch them. And obviously we don't sell those or anything like that, but that gives them just a practice time and gives them that confidence when they're done with it that, okay, I know what I'm doing now. And then they can move on to the products that are eventually going to be sold and go to customers. So giving them the practice, giving them the freedom to have that 90 day window, helping them just to know that this position is meant to be a blessing to their family. This is something that's supposed to bless their family with extra income, give them extra work. And if it does that, great. But if it's not a good fit for you, it's okay. And we can walk away and we can still be be friends. We can still be cordial. There's no hard feelings. Okay. I love that. I think that's so important to have that super clear trial period, as you said, because I think like in a lot of cases, you can tell if it's going to be a good fit within those first couple of months, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like you said as well, you're basically setting the scene for, hey, this is going to be a learning process. You are going to get feedback from me. There will be, you know, likely things that you'll need to improve with time. I think that's so important too, because some people are not so great at accepting feedback. And that's Mm -hmm. really important, you know, when, when you have a business and you have a certain standard that you want to see things be at. Yeah. So have you found that you've brought someone on during that trial period and then had to let them go because it just wasn't a good fit? And if so, how do you handle that? And I guess something else I'm curious about is what are those signs to you? What are the indicators that this isn't going to be a good long-term fit? We have had that happen. Not a lot, but it has happened once or twice in the last six or seven years. And usually it's a mutual, it's a mutual thing. I've just been fortunate that we've kind of both known from pretty early on that it wasn't a great fit. And most of the time it doesn't have anything to do with the quality of work. It has to do with, they just didn't like it. It was boring. It's not meant for everybody to sew the same thing over and over and over again. And I get it. 
some people's personality is just not cut out for that. Some people don't like sitting at the sewing machine that long. Sometimes their children needed more than they thought they did at that time. And life circumstances just changed. So the majority of the time, it's been a pretty mutual decision. And I've been grateful for that, that it's been fairly easy for us to just come to terms with the fact that this wasn't going to work out. But when I do hire someone new, I usually I look for people who are very self-motivated, usually people who want to earn some extra money, not necessarily people who need to earn an entire income to support their family or even a, a full supplemental income to support their family, but people who are looking for a little bit extra money to pay for different things, whether it's kids' sports lessons, or it's date nights with their husband, or it's a family vacation they want to go on, or it's a savings account they want to fund. I'm looking for people who have motivation, who have goals, because those are the women that I've found work the hardest and they learn the quickest because I pay per piece that they finish and per piece that's sellable. Those women who have those goals, even if those goals change over time, because obviously they're going to go on vacation or they're going to pay for that sports lesson. But those women who have those ongoing goals of this is what we do with the money we make from Lippy Clip, those are the women that have stuck with me the longest because they've realized that that's what motivates them is to keep going. And they enjoy that extra income. They enjoy that extra cushion in their budget. And I'm grateful for the products they produce. That makes a lot of sense. So how many team members do you have currently? Currently, we have nine. Five of them are seamstresses and four of them do other things like package products or do our PR or help me with organization of spreadsheets and things like that that I'm not very good at. So five seamstresses and four other behind the scenes tasks. Okay. And are all of them part-time in some capacity? Legally, they're all 1099 contractors. Gotcha. So that's how they're paid and they're paid per piece. Nobody works here in my house except for me. So they just come to the driveway once a week and drop off on the front porch or sometimes they'll come inside and hang out for a minute. But they all just come by and drop off and we meet up once a week. The days vary. I meet up with the seamstresses once a week. I don't always see the other people who are behind the scenes. A lot of that communication is done over email or text. And so I don't always need to see them face to face. So in your case, I mean, you basically need to have, or I guess you've chosen to have local women, local staff that are helping you. Have you found that to be challenging to find enough people? And I guess maybe the follow-up is what tips do you have for finding people to hire? I have not found it to be challenging. I live in a really large city. I live in Orlando, Florida, and it's just a huge city. And I've found that my best seamstresses, I have found through my current seamstresses. So it's almost like a word of mouth thing now where people have said, oh, I'm, you know, helping Amy sew the lippy clip. And then somebody will come up and say, well, I know how to sew. I used to sew this or I sewed things for my child when they were born. If she needs any help, please let me know. So actually right now we have a waiting list of people. If we grow more and I need to hire another seamstress, I already have a list of two or three names that are local here just because they've heard about us from our current seamstresses. That is so neat. And I think the cool part about that is it's a testament to you being a great boss, <laughs> Lippy Clip being a great company to work for, right? I mean, I know you're not going to toot your own horn in that way, but people wouldn't be spreading the word and people wouldn't be lining up to come work for you if your current staffers weren't having a great experience. 
Oh, that's really sweet of you to say. Yes, I think they are. And so I think that, you know, as they talk, as they're hanging out with other moms or talking at events, they'll say, oh, well, you know, while my child is napping or at nighttime, I sew for Amy and I sew the lippy clip for her. Yeah. And so I think that that's how the word spreads. But it has been really encouraging to hear. Actually, the most recent seamstress we hired came from another seamstress we had who just continued to rave about her to me and said, when you need to hire again, you have to hire her. Like you have to give her a chance. And so she was in the back of my mind for many months before I actually said, are you interested? So I would say that's another thing is that when you, when you start building a team, I always know what's my next hire, or I always try to anticipate what is my next hire and start thinking about who that's going to be. So I knew for three or four months Before I hired our most recent seamstress, I knew I was going to hire her at some point. If she said yes, I knew I was going to ask her at some point, but I was just waiting for the sales volume to pick up a little bit. I was waiting to make sure that I could sustain giving her products. I I don't ever want to hire someone and then have to back out of it because of sales volume on my end. So I always want to be sure that we're ready for it. But I also always want to anticipate what are we going to need next? That's so smart. And I have to agree with you as far as those personal referrals. I've hired a lot of my team members that way as well. I mean, I used to have sisters-in-laws who (laughs) worked for Mm -hmm. me and one had recommended the other. And now I have someone who works for me that she recommended a friend and then she also recommended that friend's Uh sister-in-law. And so they all know each other and all live in the same area of the country. And they've all been amazing. (laughs) So yeah. And it really helps too, because then they become a family. Mm -hmm. We are a Lippy Mm -hmm. Clip family or Westside team Lippy Clip. And so every Christmas when we go out for our holiday dinner together, like we all know each other and we all have things in common with each other. Orlando is a huge city, so we don't always see each other. Some of them go to church together. I have two sets of sisters on my team like you. Like it's very similar to what you were saying, but When we all go out to dinner together every December, it is so much fun because we have so much to talk about. I love that. Like having that local team where you can have that in-person connection. That's really neat. So I know we had a message on Instagram a while ago about managing a team and all of this. And you mentioned some other really fun things that you do for your team members to help them feel appreciated and to keep them motivated. And so I'd love for you to share with everyone, you know, some of those just special things that you do. Yeah. So when I get a new person on my team, after that 90 day window, I send them a Google form and it's just a really simple one. I just made it myself, but it's called like team lippy clip favorite things. And so it just asks them simple things like when's your birthday, what's your favorite colors, what's your favorite restaurant and just various things like that. So when we hit a big sales goal or it's their birthday or one of my team members just had a baby. So when there's an occasion or just because I want to do something special, I pull up that list and I get them a gift card to Chick-fil-A or a Starbucks gift card or whatever it is that's their favorite. So just honoring them and knowing what they like before I need to. So again, just anticipating what I'm going to need. I'm going to need to know eventually when their birthday is because I want to celebrate that with them. And then we do team-wide celebrations when we hit big sales goals too, so that they feel appreciated too, so that it's not just, here's another batch of lippy clips, here's another batch of lippy clips, so that they're seeing the bigger picture that, oh my goodness, this really adds up over time. Week after week after week of doing the same thing adds up. 
So that's one way I do it. We do, we typically do summer cookouts. We didn't do one this summer because our family moved, but we're going to do one in the fall. We do just have them here at the house and we just grill out burgers and they bring their kids and their families and their husbands. And it's just a lot of fun to get to hang out with them outside of handing them a basket of flippy clips Mm -hmm. to be sewn. Right. Oh, I love that so much. And yeah, that's just so fun too, to have their whole families over and have that experience. I think you also mentioned that they get a perk as far as if they want lippy clips to gift. Yes. So sometimes they will be sewing a batch and I'll get a text and it'll have a picture and they'll say, I love this one. This one would be perfect for my friend so-and-so or my daughter's backpack or different things like that. And so I give them a perk and I say, okay, if you sew it, you can have it. Just that one, you know, they get to sew that. If they need packaging for it to give to a friend, then they can pick that up when they come back. But I tell them, if you if you sew it and you want to take it, that's fine. I'm not going to pay you to sew it <laughs> because you're giving it away to somebody else. But And you can't take the whole basket, of course. But if there's just one or two that you love and it's perfect for your friend, then do that. And then I also, every holiday season, I let them purchase at wholesale cost, whatever they want. Back when I first got married, my husband used to work at Starbucks when he was in seminary. And I remember the perks at Starbucks every time. And I don't know if this is still true because this was 15 years ago. But every time he would work a shift, he got a free drink. He could make a beverage, whatever he wanted. He made it and he got to drink it. And I always thought that was so cool because they want their employees to love their product. And I want the people who sew for me and the people who work for me to love the lippy clip. I want them to be our biggest cheerleaders. Why wouldn't they give a lippy clip to their friend or their family member that they need a gift for? It should be their first go-to. So I want to always encourage and instill in them a mentality that, yes, this needs to be your number one go-to, not just because you work for me, but because it's awesome and because it's a great gift idea and because I want you to love it as much as I do. I love that. And yeah, I mean, that's so smart. They're invested in your business. They love your product too. That's so great. Mm -hmm. So I've got a question. And now I know I'm speaking for myself. Oh, there's so much I could say. But (laughs) I'm curious to hear from you. What are some of the hard lessons or maybe things that you didn't expect when it comes to leading a team? I would definitely say it is way more mentally challenging than I ever imagined. I used to joke that I missed the days when it was just me, but I I quit saying that because I don't miss those days. The business looked very, very different then, and it wasn't enjoyable to me then. It was purely to keep our family afloat while my husband was in graduate school. So it was a very different mentality. I enjoy what I do now, and I could not do this business without my team members. That being said, it is very challenging mentally to keep up from a logistical standpoint, to keep up with each day that a person comes by to pick up their next batch of lippy clips. I have to keep up with who has what. I have to keep up with make sure they all got paid. Keeping up with all of those little things times nine people is a lot. So I would say mentally, it's more challenging than anything for me, which is also why I really recommend people to hire slow. This started one person at a time. I think there was one season where I hired two new seamstresses several several years ago. 
but it was very slow. We did not go from one to nine overnight by any means, because that would, that would be so exhausting. So I've just mentally kind of come into this and ramped up to this and it's okay now, but there are times when I have to write everything down just because it's so much to remember. Before I started this business, I was a pediatric nurse and I was actually a manager of an office. And I look back on that time in my life and I am so grateful for that because I had to learn how to lead a team of people there. Now, obviously very different environment. We were taking care of sick children. I was leading a lot of different professional people, but those leadership skills in that corporate work environment have carried over so much to this more than I ever imagined. And I had no idea when I was working as a nurse and leading that office that I would use those one day in my own business. That is really neat to hear. It's always interesting the way Like we don't realize at the time those past experiences that we've had have shaped us, you know, and that, I mean, I think we both believe that like God is using those different things to move things forward and, you know, shape us into the people that he wants us to be. So that's really neat. Absolutely. I never knew that I would even own a business. If you had told me 10 years ago when I was still a nurse that I would be doing this now and I would have a team bigger than I had at that office that I was leading, I don't know that I would have believed you. It's just been such a journey and such a a stretching of my faith, but also my leadership skills and learning more and more about leadership and what does it take to be a good leader and a strong leader and a leader that people want to work for more than just the money. I would think all of my seamstresses and all of my team members would say, if I had to tell you that, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to pay you for a month or two, would you stick around? and let me back pay you or or just would you would you just stick around and help us keep the business afloat? I'm pretty sure that they would all say yes, just because they're loyal now. They're they're vested in it and they love it. And that has nothing to do with me, but just God growing me into this leadership position that I didn't know was coming, but it's all him. I love that. Okay. Here's a burning question I have, and maybe it's because this is something I struggle with, (laughs) which is patience. Like I find It's so interesting because sometimes a mistake or something that happens, or if I feel like I've asked for something a certain way and then it doesn't happen, sometimes it's like not a big deal to me at all. And even if it's a huge mistake, sometimes it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. But then other times, maybe it's the amount of repetition. I think maybe that's, I really struggle with that. Like if I've had to tell you twice to do something a certain way, by that third time, like I'm real impatient. I'm like... (laughs) I'm like having to take deep breaths and figure out how do I tell this person, like give them this feedback in a way that is like, I want to be really clear and set the expectation, but I don't want to be too harsh, right? With the way I'm (laughs) giving my feedback. Is that ever a struggle you've had of like patience and kindness (laughs) with leading your team? And if so, like, how do you handle that? What are your best tips there? No, I'm perfectly patient every single time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you seem like it. This is the thing. I'm not. Which I think people have said this about me too, of like, you seem so nice and kind and positive all the time. I'm like, oh, honey, I am 95% of the time. Yes. But like, I have a temper. So that. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. No, girl, you know, I'm a redhead. So there's (laughs) like a temper in here. (laughs) I will say that for me personally, This goes back to when I was a nurse. I remember we had this one person on our team and I would always struggle to get this person to do the tasks that I needed to be done. It was like a lab test, like quality control type checks and they had to be done. And no, they're not fun. Nobody enjoyed that stuff, but they had to be done. 
But once I sat down and I explained face to face why that was important, well, it's important because that's how we're accredited or that's how, you know, we get enabled. We, we were able to run this lab test is because we ran the quality control check and it's accurate for the patient, those kind of things. It was like a light bulb moment. And ever since then, I had no problems. And so I've always remembered that, that if people can understand why, they're much more likely to comply. But for, for example, like translating that over to Lippy Clip, if I can explain, I'm just going to make up a situation. If I can explain why this Lippy Clip needs to be sewn with this type of needle, well, it's because this certain one is not forgiving. And if you puncture it with a needle that's bigger than needed, then it's going to leave a big hole. And if it leaves a big hole, then the thread's more likely to rip out. And if the thread rips out, then their lip balm falls out. So that's why it has to be sewn with that needle. And if I take the time to explain all those steps instead of just barking orders and saying, sew it with a smaller needle, I find that the compliance and the understanding and their ability to remember to change to that smaller needle again and again when they have to sew that one is so much better. And it's just just giving that, giving a little more meat to it, giving a little more weight to that task and helping them understand that eventually this lippy clip that they're sewing is going to go in a box and it's going to go to a customer's mailbox and they're going to walk out to that mailbox and they're going to open it. They're going to open something that they paid good money for. And it needs to be amazing. It needs to be perfect. It needs to wow them. And if we can't do that, then we don't need to sell that one. Hmm. I love how you just explained it right there. I'm like nodding along like, <laughs> I get it, Amy. Okay, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do a better job. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's just been, okay, how have I not made this clear? What do I need to explain to them more so that their willingness to adjust and to do this better is going to be 100%. So how do I need to get them more invested in this change or this, this task I want them to change or to adjust to make the product better? Yeah. And you know what? Something you said right there is, I feel like this is such a mindset shift. You said, how can I make this more clear? Or how do I need to make this more clear? Because I think oftentimes we're thinking, and I'm just even thinking through as a parent, I do this all the time, like, how can I get them to listen? Right? Like, that's where my mind, how can I get them to listen? How can I get them to get this and internalize this? But instead, you flip the script and said, how can I make this more clear. It's like, you actually, we can't make anyone listen. Like Uh you, you really can't, but you can turn things back around and ask yourself, how can I communicate differently? How can I show up differently? How can I make this more clear? Yeah. If we roll this over to a parenting talk, then we're preaching to the choir here because I need all the help with two (laughs) preteens. I have two preteen kids. And so I need all the help I can get in this department. Oh boy. I know. You know what? Here's something we're contemplating in our house. I'm sure this does not make sense for preteens, but I've got an eight-year-old and a two-year-old, and I think we're going to do a jar with like little felt balls that you can put in and take out so that they can visually see. And also so that I hate the whole thing of like, oh, well, you knew this was like a thing and you were supposed to listen and you didn't. So now I got to sit here and like come up with some sort of consequence or whatever That's, I think, what irritates me almost like the most of all, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because like I don't want to be a parent that isn't sticking true to my word. And if something's important that, you know, you need to follow through. But yeah, yeah, I think I can make it more clear by being like, okay, when you're doing a great job, you get more balls in here and that translates into, I don't know, something fun we'll all do as a family. And if you're not listening on, you know, some of the smaller things, then they come back out. So yeah, we'll see. 
but I don't think that works for <laughs> your kid's age. <laughs> no, but there's other stuff that works. I mean, they're incentivized by screen time and devices and yeah. special sweet snacks in the freezer and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you know what? That is also another good point. I don't understand what the parents do. Now, we don't do like so much screen time, but like, what do you do if you never let your kids have sugar or you never let your kids have screen? You don't have any leverage. How do you reward them? I don't know. Right? Yeah. You got to have some leverage in your life. Mm -hmm. I agree. Honestly, the things are really, they're more related than you think, you know, just like leading humans. It's hard. We're all incentivized by something. Yes, that's true too. Yes. None of us really just show up and like do our best for no good no. reason. Like, no, we are all <laughs> sinful human beings. Yeah. And we're all going to be incentive. We all want something for ourselves. Yeah. So true. Well, this has been awesome, Amy. I'm so glad you got to come on again and share all your wisdom and your experience with growing and leading a team. So, as we wrap up, do you have any special tips or hacks for other business moms that would help them? So I will say that time management is obviously a struggle for anyone, whether you have a business or not. I mean, every human being struggles with time management and there's a lot of great resources, including your book, Beth Ann, on time management mama. But I found a tool, not a book, but I found a tool that has really helped me a lot. It's called Timeuler and it's a little cube that sits by my computer. It's connected via Bluetooth to my computer, but basically I take it out and I flip it and I face up whatever I'm doing. So I'll have like different tasks on this cube. So one would be like social media marketing, or one would be product prep for one of my team members, or one might be shipping if I was shipping wholesale orders or retail orders. So I change the cube, I rotate the cube based on what I'm doing, and it tracks my time for me on software on my computer. It's also compatible with your phone. Wow. And so then at the end of the day, or at the end of the week or month, I can go through and I can say, what did I spend the most of my time on? And was that what made me the most money? Not that I'm not willing to do things for free or things that don't make me money. And this is just business stuff. You could use this in so many areas of your life. But for me, for my business day, because I primarily try to work while my children are at school. So I try to structure my business work day very, very tight on time. And so I always want to make sure that I'm maximizing my time and using my time to be the most profitable, especially while my kids are at school, because those are my quiet work hours. So this little cube, Timeuler is called, and it has helped me so much to stay on task and stay focused. And if I know that this cube is tracking me, you better believe I'm going to stay on task. And if it doesn't matter how many times my phone dings, I am not getting up and looking at it because my Timeuler is tracking me and I'm, it's just held me very, very accountable. So if you're looking for a good time management device to keep at your desk or near your phone, I highly recommend this one. That sounds really neat because, I mean, I know there's programs like Toggle or like other things. My trouble has always been like, I don't want to have to pick up my phone or even on my computer to have to log into some other site or log into an app or like manually just the time to type in the new task that you're doing. But if it's literally a cube that is sitting there on your desk, so one, you see it. So you're reminded of, oh yeah, if I'm switching tasks, let me switch my cube. Mm -hmm. And it's so fast to just switch it over. Yeah. And you don't have to pick up your phone and then be further distracted by whatever's on your phone. 
Yeah. And then if you, I mean, obviously there's like a resting spot. So if I'm going to stop it and go unload the dryer or answer the door or whatever, then I'll just put it back in its home base. Okay. So it stops tracking. But it's been really insightful for me to see this is where I'm spending a lot of my time. And it's also on the note of hiring a team. It helps me see I'm spending a lot of time doing this one task. Is this something I could teach someone to do? Or is this something that only I should continue to do? So it's also really helpful. And when you're thinking bigger picture about that. So true. Such a good point. Man, I've been amazed when I stopped to look at, okay, where is everyone's time going? There is often a pretty easy solution for a way to streamline something or add in a little extra thing here or there that's like, whoa, now immediately so much time is saved. So for sure. Yeah. I would say if you're not familiar at all with time blocking, I would read one of the books first, just so you get familiar with time blocking and time management. But this tool is really good. Once you've got that idea in your head, this is a really good implementation. Love it. Well, thank you again, Amy, for taking the time to chat with me today. And just remind everyone one more time, where's the best place they can find you online? Sure. Our website is lippyclip.com. It's L-I-P-P-Y-C-L-I-P.com. And we are LippyClip on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and all the other platforms. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bethann. 